0: So we are in week 2 of a series using this book called Lessons in Faith and and if any of you have been to a uh, a unity church it might be a little familiar in the same way that that Big, thick book that we call The Science of Mind is sort of our textbook. The Unity Churches use this slim and attractive book (laughs) called Lessons in Faith. Uh, What's amazing to me, though, is, you know, all the basic principles are there. It's kind of fun, and it's actually fairly easy to read. So it's 100 years old. It's in great condition, and I'm enjoying it. I hope you are, too. Um, So last week we talked a little bit, um, I'm hoping it was inspirational last week, because at least the intent was to portray that idea of really unlimited power that each one of us has in our own lives to really get a hold of what our heart's desire is. Really God as co-creator is there working tirelessly, ceaselessly with the, um, I would say the entire abundant universe backing God up to bring about what we want. And that was the promise of last week, that's really the promise of this book, is that we can experience what we choose to have in this world. So this week we're going to talk a little bit about some of the tools, some of the specific techniques that we can use right from the book to help bring this about. Because what I know is, even though our minds are incredibly creative, even though our minds tap into the one mind, even though our desires tap into the abundance of the universe, many times we feel a little stuck in the right now-ness of what can get get us down on a day-to-day basis, right? Many of us have those days of inspiration, those days where we know that nothing can possibly keep us down, right? But then, for whatever reason, a few days will pass or a few months will pass, and don't we tend to get stuck once more? And what I don't believe is that God comes and goes. I don't believe that somehow this power is selective in its ability to bring about good in our lives. And so I'm thinking it's something within us. It's something within us that periodically will just say, well, there's good in the world, but not for me today, apparently, not for me to have right now. Or, or maybe when things get going really good, there's a little voice in our head that says, well, this sure can't last forever. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, whether you're feeling that today or whether you're feeling that this is one of your best days, what I do know is that our patterns of belief, our patterns of being able to hold on to what we want are limitless. Even if on a certain day you feel a little bit helpless, even if on a certain day you feel a little bit like the world is bearing all of the pressures that exist right onto you, what I know is that that's not the truth of who we are. That might be our individual circumstances on that day, but it isn't the truth of us. So today we're going to talk about faith. We're going to specifically talk about two of the tools that are in this section of the book, Lessons in Truth. But before we do that, because these two techniques are around faith. I want to talk about faith itself. What is faith? And we have a definition of it from the book that I want to want to share with you. And I also think we have kind of a topical definition, one that's maybe a little more in current parlance. And I want to take that apart too. But first, let's let's start with the one that's here um, from um, Emily Cady. One of the unerring truths in the universe is that there is already provided a, labi- a lavish abundance for every human want. In other words, the supply of every good always awaits the demand. Another truth is that the demand must be made before the supply can come forth to fill it. To recognize these two statements of truth and to affirm them are the whole secret of understanding faith, faith based on principle. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith takes hold of the substance of the things hoped for and brings into evidence or visibility the things not yet seen. So the way I would summarize that is simply faith is our ability to recognize and to anticipate some good before we actually have it. So that's, that's faith as defined in this book. But I think we also have a more topical, a more um, sort of, sort of incurrent parlance idea of what faith is. and I want to talk about that, too, because I don't want to get these two different ideas of faith mixed up. So often when I hear people talking about faith today, it's as though it were something that you could kind of bottle and measure. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, I just don't have enough faith, I guess, for my prayers to be answered." Or you'll hear someone say, "Well, you know, my faith isn't strong enough. Um, to do the things that need to be done. And, 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 you know, this even has some biblical references for those of you who have studied the New Testament, right? The, the fi- even if you have the faith of a mustard seed, yet you ye may move mountains into the sea, right? That idea that somehow there's something in you that needs to be strong enough, that needs to be powerful enough, some, some invisible gas tank that needs to be filled up with sufficient oomph so that you can, you know, make the full voyage, make it all the way to the end of the road. Well, I want to suggest that that idea of faith maybe isn't as accurate as as we think it is. My personal belief is that we all have faith. And in fact, my personal belief is that we were born with a good deal of faith, and that same really unlimited measure of faith is in each one of us all the time. Now how you might ask then, do you explain that sometimes my prayers seem not to be answered? How then do you explain that my connection to God doesn't seem sometimes as strong as I'd like it to be? How can you explain that my heart's desire, as Emily Katie was expressing here, hasn't blossomed fully the way that you would like it to on a given day? I want to suggest that we're not lacking faith, but that perhaps we have misdirected it. I want to suggest that if faith is, as Emily Cady says, the ability to recognize and anticipate some good before we have it, then how do we explain the so-called negative things, the so-called evil or disharmony or bad things that happen in our lives? I think it's because we have faith in them. I think that as best we try to school our minds to catch ourselves and put forward good thoughts and to have faith in them, that very often we do exactly the opposite. And as though faith were maybe a single muscle that can be flexed in two different ways, I think we put this muscle of faith to really good use now and then to our own detriments. I think we want to win the lottery, but do we actually have the faith that we really could win it? Or in fact, does our faith tend to tell us, no, I can play the lottery a hundred times and I'll never win? We want to have a great relationship, but do we have faith in that or do we have faith in the idea that this relationship is going to turn out just the way the last one does that this relationship probably doesn't have the degree of love that it needs in it or or am I up to having the kind of loving caring relationship that I want I know that we want the great job but do we absolutely have faith that we're going to get that great job or do we have faith in maybe the economy right now that says that jobs are scarce Do we have the faith in ourselves or do we think, well, really that great job that I want, maybe I don't even have the skills for it. Do you see what I mean? I think often, whether it's something created in our own mind or whether it's something maybe that was told to us by our parents or friends or coworkers, I think that some of these negative thoughts, we hold on to them with the same degree of faith, the same degree of assuredness, that heartfelt sense that they are true. That the very thing that we wish to escape from is nonetheless a bit of the truth, a bit of the faith that we have in ourselves. All right. Now, I know we don't want to say stuck in this place, neither in this sermon nor in life. And what I know is that we have the power to change our minds. It's, it's the promise that, uh, that Sharon Lee Foley and, and Nancy give every day when they do the introductions and the welcoming here. We have the power to change our minds. And as we change our minds, as we cultivate thoughts that are positive, as we begin cultivating our own sense of our divine nature, of goodness, of life, of purpose, of joy, of peace, of abundance, as we culture these on purpose... We're shifting that focus on our faith, that focus on what we know is true, that the focus on what we know is powerful, we're powerful. We're shifting it from the negativity that we can just as easily draw to us onto the positive. Then we're flexing that muscle of faith towards that which we wish to receive, towards that which we wish to experience. It's like going from, if it were Star Wars, I'd say it's shifting from the dark side over to something that is more pleasurable, that is more um, useful in our lives right now. All right. So on to some promised tools. Um, in religious science, the first one we're going to talk about, we talk about all the time, and that's the idea of affirmations. And and uh, Emily Cady in Lessons in Truth absolutely has a whole chapter on affirmations that are great. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on them, because I think most of us have been around long enough. Even if we've just watched enough episodes of Oprah, we know what an affirmation is, right? It's as simple statement of truth about what we want to experience or what we want to achieve or what we want to do in the world and we speak it from that place as though we already had it so a very simple affirmation might be i am healthy and completely whole now and forever a simple affirmation might be the abundance of the universe is mine to have and it takes the form of plenty of money and paid bills and uh, and revenue left over for me to invest and to share with family and friends A simple affirmation might be, I know that love is in my life right now and that I attract to me loving people and a caring partner. These are the most simple and the most powerful kind of affirmations. And, and if you take a, a class that covers affirmations, or, or if you, um, you know, learn how to do them in a book, you'll know that they recommend plastering them up so that you'll run into them throughout the day and consciously repeat them. And the idea is it's as though we're planting seeds of a harvest that we want to have. And so the more thoughtful seeds that we plant of a nature that reflect what we want to experience, just as though we're already experiencing, then when those mental seeds, of course, bloom and grow, we're going to experience that very thing. We're going to start feeling the love in our actual life, in our literal physical world, even as we're holding it in our heart. We're going to experience abundance on the physical plane, even as we're having the thoughts in our brain. So that's the idea of affirmations, and you'll find them in the Science of Mind textbook. You'll find them in Lessons in Truth, and I dare say, you, can, you know, it's very popular in the world today to do affirmations. Something not so common, though, another chapter in this book that we're studying this week, is a lesson on how to do denials. And, and this was, a, although Ernest Holmes in a couple of his early books talks about it, Ernest Holmes, the, the founder of religious science, towards the later end of his life, it's as though this idea of doing denials um, kind of faded away. But you know, I think they're great fun, and so today we're going to do a few denials. We're, we're going to learn that denials are not just a river in Egypt. All right. So let's do some denials. Let me start out just by giving a couple of them to you. Today I stopped thinking about myself as anything but capable, lovable, and powerful. I now interrupt this foolish thought with something that is true and something that is good. And I like that one. Have you ever been... um, Well, and and here let me do a little confession. Up until about five years ago, I tended to be a little bit of a worrier. I was one of those people that if you happen to wander by my neighborhood late at night, like at 3 a.m., if there was a light on at 3 a.m., I can tell you what I was doing. I was worried about something. And typically, the way it would happen, I'd go to bed, whatever, and whether it was a dream, I mean, maybe I was even worrying in my sleep, I don't know, but what I know is I'd wake up like 3 a.m., and something unpleasant would be working on and in and around my brain just like it was one of those squirrels running in a cage. Do you know what I mean? And it would even tend to be self-reinforcing. Um, I remember in particular I used to worry ahead of big business luncheons and, and big business meetings and in my mind I'd be replaying every bad thing that could possibly happen. What if I forget what I'm going to say? What if the uh, if I do my little talk? I, I was in computer science at the time. What if I do my little proposal about buying these new machines and they look at me like I'm crazy, right? What if I do my presentation and people fall asleep? I would, I would come up with all of the crazy things. And, and I think a part of me was thinking, well, if I think about them now, I'll have a way out of them. I'll figure out ahead of time some way that I can circumvent or make up for my foolishness or the way I look or you know whatever it was. But what it tended to do literally think of that squirrel in the cage and over a while it got to where just thinking about the business meeting would put you know such a pit such a feeling of hopelessness in my stomach I suggest that this is a great place to do a denial, because really all you need to do is derail those thoughts, you know, stop that cage from circling. A great denial that they mention in here is simply to use the word stop. And of course, you know me, I might embellish it a little and say, stop the madness, right? Because it is absolutely, I think, a form of insanity. What you're doing is repeating over and over again things that are absolutely lies in your own mind. Things that, why would you anticipate all the bad things that are going to happen? You know, from what we know in this philosophy of science of mind, What am I kind of doing? I'd be setting myself up for a good number of them to come true, right? And so what if I've gone over them enough that I might figure out a solution? I don't want to experience them to begin with. So let us, when we're in that state of worry, let us, when we're in that place that our mind's kind of going crazy with what might happen based on the past or what might happen on that darkest day, let us simply interrupt that train of thought by saying something like, stop the madness. If you can calm yourself, if you can simply say, that is a lie, if you can simply deny, not the truth maybe, of what has happened in the past, but to deny its power over what's going to happen in the future, you set yourself up to truly be a co-creator of that uh, event yet to come. You're not living in the past. You're not thinking that the past is going to repeat itself. We've already learned from any mistake that happened in the past, right? Instead, let's start out fresh. So let's deny the power of anything that's happened in the past. Let's deny the power over our own thoughts of negativity. Emily Cady says that there are basically four key denials, and I want to share these with you. I think we're unused to the idea of denials, and these are great ones. The first one, there is no evil. Have you ever felt in your heart of hearts that there's some force out there, some some devil, some... um, fate that is against you that's like stacking the deck in your favor you know whether you think of it as the devil or whether you think of it as fate or whether you think of of it as karma from another lifetime i'm here to tell you that all is god and if all is god god is not conniving or stacking the deck against us never and so there truly can only be evil as we understand it, as, as we experience it as our own ego senses something that isn't good for us. We tend to say, oh, well, then that's evil. But this is a creation, a total fabrication of our own mind. There is only God, and so therefore there is no evil. Let's take the next one. There is no absence of life, substance, or intelligence anywhere. Now, I I like this one. When I was thinking about the affirmations piece of the talk uh, today, I was remembering a couple years ago when I had a foundations class, and we were learning affirmations. And in foundations, you learn all the steps of writing a great affirmation and how to use them and things like that. And we went through this long exercise, and people were coming up with great affirmations. And the class ended, and one of the members of the class came up to me and said, thank you so much for clarifying how affirmations work. I know they've been very powerful in my system." life. And I always wondered, you know, how to do a good one. I just wish they worked for me. (laughs) Right? And I think there's a part of us maybe that thinks that God's graciousness, that thinks that spiritual tools may indeed work for everyone else. They certainly work for Larry. They certainly work for the practitioners. They certainly work for my friend over here. But see, the trouble is, they don't work for me, or or maybe they even work for me, but not where love is concerned. Where love is concerned, do you know what I mean? Lots of people have these ideas that God shines God light everywhere, except good junk on me on the topic of abundance, or me on the topic of life, or me on the topic of wholeness. Right, and what I am here to tell you is that there is no absence of life, substance, or intelligence anywhere. God is with you at all times. God is just as willing to pour God's abundance into your life in the area of love, in the area of abundance, in the area of good relationships, in the area of peace or harmony, God is just as present and just as willing to be that co-creator no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what your previous experiences are. It is God's absolute good nature to give you the good. All right, next one. Pain, sickness, poverty, old age and death cannot master me for they are not real. Let me do this one one more time pain, sickness, poverty, old age, and death cannot master me, for they are not real. Now, i got to tell you, as I was taking my antihistamine this morning, because of the high pollen count, I'm saying to myself, well, certainly what I'm experiencing with the tickle in my throat and the itch in my eyes is real, right? So how can I deny that these things are not real. Well, again, back to the idea of denials is we are denying their power over us. I'm certainly not going to deny that anyone got an overdue notice, that anyone was feeling ill. I'm not going to deny that anyone is maybe experiencing a relationship with some pain in it right now. But what I am going to deny is that these things are real in terms of real for the future, that they have any power over you. Every single day is a new creation, and God is right here to be that co-creator for whatever you want it to be. We do not have to believe that if we were ill last year during, quote, pollen season, that we have to be ill this year. We do not have to believe that because the last relationship that we had was troublesome that the next one's going to be. We do not have to believe that anything that has gone on before will have any bearing on our ability to have that beautiful connection to God, that total co-creative power that allows us to craft and imagine and bring about the world exactly the way that we want it to be. That is our power and our right. And pain, sickness, poverty, old age, and death cannot master me. All right. Now for the last denial. There is nothing in all the universe for me to fear because God is stronger than any condition. You know, I think a lot of times we believe that our conditions define our lives. It's as though we took that metaphysical chart that said first there's cause and then there's an effect and flipped it upside down. And I hear people all the time. If you just walk around listening idly to people, you will hear them all the time saying that their effects make their causes you'll you'll hear them say because I had a bad childhood I can't seem to get a good job today you know I never really learned how to be in that working environment and so all the jobs go to other people you'll hear people say that you know because I'm ill I keep having these thoughts of lack and limitation and I'm here to tell you even though on the surface it sounds like those could be true What you're really saying is that the effect, the condition, is what causes that to happen in your mind, and it just doesn't work that way. Our outside, right, everything that's going on in our outside life, I love this, remember indoor voices and outdoor voices when you were a kid, and your mom would say, indoor voices, indoor voices, well I'm here to tell you, in the same way that that worked, is the way life works. That stuff that's on the outside of us, right? The people and the places and the events, whatever shows up on the outside is an exact mirror, is the result of, is the effect of what was going on in the inside. If you are having feelings and thoughts of despair you are going to usher in events that will cause you despair. If you are having thoughts and feelings of love, of fullness, of joy, then you can look forward to seeing that mirrored on the outside as well. It's simply the way the law of cause and effect works. This is how our faith brings about that which we experience in the world. It's as simple as our thinking produces results. Our thoughts become things. And so, when we use affirmations and denials, what I'm suggesting is that we can begin having more consciousness, more conscious awareness of picking and choosing those thoughts we're going to have, right? so let's pretend we're having an average day and what we have like a billion thoughts i don't know probably hundreds of thousands of thoughts many of them sort of neutral if you looked at the thought it might be just i'm opening the car door now that's pretty neutral right and you can tell it's it's a cause and effect right the cause is i'm thinking and reaching and i'm and the effect is the door comes open right But then we also have thoughts, more of a judgmental nature, I would say. And sometimes we judge things to be good, right? I had a great birthday party. It was a lot of fun. And sometimes we judge things to be bad, right? I I, I witnessed a, a, a little girl and her mom having an argument at the store, right? We make these judgments. What I'm suggesting is the way we fill up our mind, positive and negative, is what we'll be experiencing more of in our life. And we can use the tools of affirmation and denial to absolutely stack the deck. So I was going to do this kind of amazing and corny um, uh, thing where you were going to do audience participation. I was going to have a long rope, and I was going to ask five or six people to be on one side of the rope and five or six people on the other side of the rope. And we were going to do a tug of war. And I was going to have someone stand on the stage and represent kind of our conscious higher wisdom self, And so one half of the people tugging would be tugging with negative ideas and impressions, and the other half would be tugging with positive thoughts and impressions and ideas. And whenever the person on the stage did a denial it would cause one of the negative people to kind of go away, right? Because what a denialist is denying the power, the strength, of that negative thought tugging at your own mind, at your own sense of reality. And when the person on the stage did an affirmation... It was going to add another team member, another positive thought, to the other side of the rope. And you can see very quickly, only after doing a few denials, only after doing a few affirmations while well, the side with the more positive people would just be, you know. And I was going to do this until I was thinking, well, what's the metaphor of the mud pit in the middle? And then, then it kind of broke down because <laughs> I, I couldn't picture God ever wanting us to be drugged through anything. But I do think that this illustration is an apt one. When we use a denial, we are short-circuiting that craziness that comes upon us when we keep reaffirming that negative things and situations have any power over us. And when we do an affirmation, it likewise solidifies our knowledge of truth, of beauty, of hope, of peace, and of love. All right, so those are the tools. I'm going to make a brief homework assignment. Since we're not used to doing denials, what I'd like you to do is pinpoint sometime this week, if you're up for it, if you're interested, pinpoint some area of constant negative thoughts, some kind of worry that frequently through the week goes through your head. It might be worrying about finances. It might be worried about a loved one. It might be worry about your own job. It might be worry about how you're getting along with a, a family member. And what I'd like you to do is use a denial, even if it's the only, the simplest one that we learn today, and that's to stop the craziness of this thought. This is not the truth of me, it has no power over me. Let us just stop the madness. Even if it's only that simple denial, I'd like you to try using it. And furthermore if you're up for it those of you who know how to do beautiful affirmations and i bet let's raise our hand how many of us actually have done affirmations before and kind of know how to do that all right it is most of you good so if you would when you've done the denial then back it up with a beautiful affirmation right back it up with a beautiful affirmation that's your homework for this week i will close with a final quote from this book and a prayer Emily Cady says, Affirm your possession of the good that you desire. Have faith in it. Because you are working with divine law, you cannot fail. Do not be argued off your basic principle by anyone. Do not be argued off your basic principle by anyone. The sooner and sooner will the heaven fall that you fail to get that which, which you desire. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it is yours. Let us pray. There is power in one presence in this universe. It is this thing called life, and it is this power of love. And what I know for sure is that the universe of life brings me good. It brings me happiness. It brings me joy. It brings me all of those things that I choose and desire and accept into my life. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person in this room. Each person in this room is a powerful co-creator of the universe, using their thoughts, using their thought patterns, using their habits to bring about a good, a gracious, a beautiful life. And on this day and each day forward, I know it becomes easier to catch ourselves in the moment of having negative thoughts, that, that circle of despair or lack, and that we can easily stop this with a denial. I furthermore know that we use affirmations and, and thoughts of good and luxury in our lives to create the life that we want to experience. The thoughts of love, thoughts of peace, thoughts of happiness, thoughts of goodness, thoughts of harmony and abundance are ours now and always, and that they outpicture perfectly and beautifully and right now for each person in this room. And I'm grateful for this awareness, grateful to be here in the power and presence of God as it takes the form of each person in this room. I simply let it be, and so it is. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.